Hello and welcome to the Folklore Podcast. I'm Mark Norman, folklore researcher and author. Petrified is a horror fiction podcast based heavily in Irish folklore and superstitious belief. The anthology series features tales of ordinary people encountering the supernatural, with results that don't always end well. The show has won numerous accolades at the New York Festival's Radio Awards and the Irish Podcast Awards. Season 3, which started recently, features guest performances from Welcome to Night Vale's Cecil Baldwin and New York filmmaker Larry Fessenden. Here's a trailer. Oh God! Back in! Back in, quick! Her.ie says Petrified captures listeners' attention from the get-go. It won't open. Reeling them in for a deeply unsettling ride before delivering on some serious scares. When you call the dead back, they are angry and they are lost. And they are hungry. Petrified, the award-winning horror drama returns with a cast including Cecil Baldwin and Larry Fessenden. Is that Robert? I smelled death. The stench of rot. Petrified, an all-new season of tales from a darker Ireland out now, wherever you listen to podcasts. What am I doing? Just... Let's end this. I recently had the pleasure of discussing the show, its development, inspirations and characters, with writer and director Peter Dunn and recurring actress Margaret McAuliffe. Mags and Peter, welcome to the Folklore Podcast. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you very much. (laughs) You are very welcome. And here we are sitting on the brink of the release. In fact, the uh, just released release of the beginning of season three of your podcast, Petrified, uh, which we are going to talk about today, along with the kind of inspirations and the folklore behind it. So, Peter, I'm going to ask you to start before we learn a little bit about yourselves we ought to just learn a little bit about petrified for those who don't know it so can you give us a brief summary of your project yeah so petrified is a horror anthology podcast which takes a look at a darker ireland so we look at um kind of uh folklore and we look at famous moments in irish history and we give it a kind of horrific spin so it's little 30 to 40 minute radio players that we release uh, weekly. And how did this come about? Because I know you have the kind of broadcaster support in Ireland as well for this, don't you? How did that all come about? Yeah, so uh, what originally happened was Liam Garrity, who's the producer. So I would be the writer and director of Petrified. So Liam Garrity is the producer and we would have worked together before on kind of um, almost audio ghost experiences I suppose you'd call them uh, and Mags was actually in both of them so there was one called Eerie and one called Bram and basically what people did was they put on headphones and they uh, were brought on this audio tour around Dublin um, but what we kind of didn't uh, tell many people at the start was uh, all the stories they were hearing were fake so uh, the dream was for um, uh, tourists to come and listen to this and then go back to their homes and just say you'll you'll never guess what happened in all these locations in Dublin but none of them would be real so we'd be making our kind of own 
urban legends and from making those audio tours um just chatting with Liam the kind of what felt like the next not logical step but the next yeah the next step I suppose would have been a podcast yeah and Max how did you uh end up involved in all of this well myself and Peter are friends many years um I met his um partner on a show 12 years ago and met Peter very casually afterwards in the pub and uh, we really got on and ever since then Peter has written me into most of his projects fortunately enough for me so I'm well used to his style of writing um, and the themes that he loves to write about and I find it really exhilarating it's unlike any other work I've ever done and I look forward to each and every project. Now, I was going to say... (laughs) (laughs) Until now. (laughs) I was going to say that um, Ireland is very rich in folklore, but of course, really, that's a stupid thing to say because any country is very rich in folklore. It has its own cultural heritage and its own beliefs. What I should say is that Ireland sees folklore as more important than a lot of other countries and it has a background in that so we have really important collections of folklore in in Ireland um both the, the collection of um of stories from school children um years ago and, and the general kind of Irish folklore collections um was folklore a big part of your growing up in Ireland either of you um definitely something that you know i particularly like about kind of uh, Irish folklore and Ireland, like Ireland would have a great connection to kind of storytelling and, and in particular ghost stories, you know, there's thing of like, you know, people gathered around the fire kind of sharing stories or everyone's, you know, everyone nearly has kind of some weird tale to tell or, you know, someone's aunt had a haunted house or some picture fell off the wall and like your cousins and that person passed away or something. So it was a real, even growing up, my family would have been very much storytellers and it was unusual because I would have grown up um, in an urban area, um, Ballyfermot in Dublin. But even within that, my aunts and my um, mother and my grandmother and great aunts and stuff like that, they would always have... I suppose, like, weird tales, you know, the, the growing up, the Banshee was a real thing, you know. We, we'd be warned about the Banshee, like, sitting on a wall, combing her hair, and people saying that they saw her and stuff like that. And this wouldn't be in the country lane. This would be, you know, on a wall of a house in kind of suburbia. <laughs> and um, But there was a lot of, and especially superstitions, you know, don't put your, don't put a hat on a bed, don't put shoes on a table, stuff like this. So it was kind of something that, became very much uh, it would have been one of those things that you didn't realize how strange it was until afterwards because it was part of everyday life like people talking about this stuff and you know the and fairies as well you know uh, don't leave certain stuff out uh, or you know if the milk will go sour and things like this so um, it was only in retrospect as you get older you go yeah, this was a little bit strange, the stuff that we were <laughs> talking about or led to believe when we were younger. Yeah, I think I and, and to talk to that point about keeping things alive in the present day, I think we have such a rich 
storytelling culture. And I think I think most people know that about the Irish. We would have collected music um, there were music collectors that went around collecting um, jigs and reels that were played by people that weren't that that hadn't written them down yet. And the tradition of passing on, passing the story up along through the generations was definitely embedded in in our um, in our child bring in our, in our in our upbringing. And so we never really, as as Peter says, we never really saw it as oh. We have a rich tradition of storytelling. It was just the way things are. Um, and then it's only when you kind of look back in hindsight, you go, oh, actually, yeah, Ireland has a marked difference to other countries in terms of how um, how how much they they carried on the traditions of storytelling. So so what what areas have you found particularly um, good to draw on here? Because you, you are at the end of the day presenting um, a horror podcast and, and there's certainly plenty of um plen- plenty of stuff to draw on from within any culture's folklore that that resembles the horrific what's been a good pick for you in term in terms of irish law there there was lots of stuff about um the devil <laughs> you know um it, it it kind of it didn't seem like you know the 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 biblical you know uh, overlord of hell kind of thing it just almost seemed like this it was almost like the devil was the second name for the the boogeyman or or as we used to call it in in um dublin growing up the biddy the biddy would be another name for the the boogeyman but um you know seeing him as an actual person stories like um you know the the hellfire club story where the people were playing cards one night and somebody dro- and a, a stranger came to the door during the storm and it had a game of cards and then somebody dropped a card on the floor and when they leaned down to pick it up they realized the stranger had cloven hooves and there would be stuff like that so he, he was the devil was almost like just this man that walked around encountering people all the time and you know meeting people at the crossroads having and games was something and was something of a trickster in as much as he was yeah. embedded in evil works wasn't it? It, it? We have that sort of wry uh, glint in the eye, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pull the wool over your eyes in some way, shape or form. And it's funny, I heard that story, um, but that it was set in Loftus Hall, which is dubbed Ireland's uh, scariest house or mansion. Um, and again, the story and they, they brought us into this drawing room. I did a tour there and they brought us into this drawing room. And then this is the table that the card game took place in. And um, and then there'd been so many sites in different rooms in the house of white ladies and um, I live in a suburban town called Malahide but we have a castle um, what that it came down from the Talbot family and uh, there was a white lady in the tower I don't think that there could be a castle in Ireland that there's not some sort of a, a white lady or a red lady uh, that uh, that haunts the halls and they, they did uh, like funny enough always seem to be some kind of connection with the with how we saw the devil and gambling you know mm-hmm. so that it, would, it would be a bet you know betting your life betting your head kind of things so it was always a game of chance so yes yeah, so it stopped it, it stopped kind of being this as you know as Max was saying he stopped kind of being this religious thing and kind of like a trickster and I think maybe it's tied in with you know the the Irish um uh mythological character the puka who would have been the same, maybe a shapeshifter and a trickster. So I think kind of they almost bled into each other. Mm. We have a, a 
We have a, a a pet name for people that are being a little bit cheeky and it's uh, the devil. You're being a devil. And uh, that's definitely related to uh, the word devil. And there's definitely a crossover there. Cheekiness, being a little bit uh, thinking outside the box, trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. Uh, yeah, definitely devil behavior. Well, the devil, of course, is a later construct. It's a Christian construct mm. and, and, and used in the way of representing things that are bad and, and mm. things that you shouldn't do and, mm. and evil. But of course, most within folklore, most stories relating to the devil relate to much older things. Um, so in English folklore, a lot of the stories that are ascribed to the devil used to be ascribed to giants or used to be ascribed to to fairies and that, that whole trickster element obviously comes from much earlier things we've looked at the puka before there was um we did an episode looking at the great controversy over the puka statue in in ireland uh, the puka sculpture um and uh, so so the way that the devil represents things i think has changed very much and i think that trickster element is certainly something which which comes from far earlier beliefs isn't it now in terms of um, drawing on that folklore for what works in in terms of horror, I know, Peter, this is something that you've looked at, isn't it? Because you, you've done some research in, into kind of people's fears and, 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 and that kind of aspect of using horror. Can you talk a little bit to, to what you looked at there and how that's been useful? Yeah, so it was a few years ago now, and um, it was a, a research project funded by the Arts Council of Ireland, and it was kind of looking at horror as entertainment and things like that. So as part of that, I wanted to see where our fears and phobias came from. So I would have, uh, you know, I had this questionnaire that, um, like, a couple of you know, people kind of filled out, and they all talked about fears and superstitions. And then also I interviewed children ranging from the ages of 5 to 15 um, to see where their fears came from. And then I also talked to child psychologists to see how we develop a fear or phobia. And something that was really interesting was um, I, when I was speaking to one child psychologist, she was saying, uh, Vanessa Lebeau, her name is, she was Canadian, she was saying that um, in regards to fears and phobias, where fears would have been very localised before. So, you know, in certain countries, certain places, they have a real fear of God. Um, she's in, especially in kind of South American countries. Um, in other places where they'd have like, you know, an understandable fear of animals because of, you know, you'd have wild animals there. But she said that what was happening was, which I found really interesting, was um, we were all starting to get, and, uh, and from children, we were all starting to get the same fears because of the Internet. So she said, because we have, because everyone's more connected now, um, our fears were becoming more universal. So religion was didn't have as much of its way, but like um, things that would have been in popular culture are, you know, becoming objects of fear. And because, you know, American culture, I suppose, has such a way of the world with films and stuff like that, um, it would be American film that was actually causing a lot of, universal fears while kind of more homegrown stuff was disappearing um things that it, it, when i was reading the um answers given by people an awful lot of people still um were not still sorry were conflating fears with superstitions so things that they would be 
kind of afraid to do rather than things that they were afraid of. And there was a lot of things about bringing bad luck, you know, don't put your umbrella up indoors. There was a lot of surprising talk of um, uh, fairies, you know, things that you didn't want to do to bring the wrath of the fairies down you. And I thought it was a bit, I thought it was going to be a bit like kind of, you know, that high did lighting, you know, the Irish with their fiddles and the pigs in the kitchen and stuff like that. But that fairies were still a big topic of concern for <laughs> for a lot of people. Um, and it was interesting that there was a lot of stuff that wasn't just, you know, there were things that were modern fears, you know, people would be afraid of plane crashes and things like that, but that there was a lot of stuff that seemed to have been passed on for an older from older generations that we just held on to. Mags, as an actor, how do you take that information and and use it to your advantage when you're trying to portray these stories? Well, I think for petrified episodes, anyway, um, you're given a script last. You're given the script last minute, <clears throat> which is a glorious way to work. Um, because you've no time to overthink character choices. Peter tends to give you a very succinct character description, an accent, and then tells you, off you go. <laughs> so um, a lot of a lot of the unfolding of the oh, like all of the unfolding of the action is as fresh to you, the actor, as it is to the listener. So it means you're not playing the ending as you're going along. Uh, you're you're coming to it at the same time as everyone else. So it gives it um, a freshness. So there is no time to research or overthink or or say, oh, I'm drawing on this story that I heard from my aunt about the banshee coming to her great aunt. You know, there's no there's no time for that. He trusts that that's all kind of um, understood by all of his actors and uh, trusts them to uh, deliver in the moment with the script in hand. <laughs> yeah, and that does give, I, I guess, um, a, a much more natural performance as well. I was, I was reading the transcript of an interview that you did at podcast festival where, where you had a particular role within an episode that was unveiled at the end of the episode <laughs> that you weren't even aware of when you, yes, <laughs> when you started uh, acting at the beginning of that episode. I don't think it's too much to give away that I, I, I was the killer in the end. <laughs> I had no idea as I played along. So that was actually it was it was quite funny as well to, to, to come to the last page and go, oh, 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 great. But then that's how everyone else was 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 foiled. Um, I, I didn't believe in myself. <laughs> but, uh, and that was kind of the, the, the thing. So uh, exactly what Max was saying, but just to echo it, um, that if the actor knew that they were the killer, you know, there would be a fear of like they would uh, overplaying it, overplay it yeah. or kind of go, oh, well, I hint something here. And I'm like, no, I want this to be a shock. I don't want any hints. I don't want, you know, mm. I don't want anything kind of suggested or a wink wink to the audience. Just go with it. Yeah. And thankfully, I love sight reading, which is taking a, a, a script fresh and and reading from it because there's there's a lot, you know, it's a, it's a different skill set really um, to be able to perform in the minute or in the moment 
having never seen the material before. And it's something I've always enjoyed. And I didn't realize that I was any good at it. I just knew from when I was in school that I loved reading out loud. Or if I was even talking with my friends now in my 20s or 30s, I'm like, and then they said, and I would read out the text message. You know, I, I love reading aloud. And so this is a perfect marriage myself working on petrified episodes. <laughs> And of course, it is it is the mark of good writing as well that um, mm. there are suitable twists and and whatever in a script that you don't realise until the end. That nothing you. about Peter Dunn is predictable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll take that as a compliment. For yeah. you. Um, <laughs> you, you were talking there uh, just now, Peter, about. Uh, modern fears and the internet is that something that you've drawn on particularly because there there are obviously whole rafts of of folklore being created via these kind of modern things you know you've only got to look back a few years and look at ridiculous things like the momo challenge and and the um, alleged blue whale cult and things like that generating online i think if i remember rightly your very first episode of the first season was set in a radio station mm. and and that is um, i suppose the you know it's not not quite as as high tech as perhaps some of the other things but but it's still a modern a modern story and something that has you know a lot of marks of urban legend about it in that script as well i think is is that something that you've been able to draw on a lot sort of modern myth uh try to one of the tendencies i i um would have had when I was writing kind of petrified uh, episodes before was, um, and this wouldn't even be a conscious thing. I was kind of going into the past and looking at things that happened in Ireland before. So for instance, the, in the last series, there was an episode about ghost estates, which would, you know, with all these kind of half built uh, estates in the Celtic, like, you know, I was saying that the name alone lends itself to a horror podcast, but, the, and even in this new series, uh, without giving too much away, there's a, a an episode about the phenomenon of, um, moving statues in Ireland in the 1980s when an awful lot of people said that they saw these religious statues moving. But then to kind of uh, to answer your question, the I try to, but um, if, for instance, the, the episode that we did at the London Podcast Festival with Mags and a, a, another actor, Michelle McMahon, um, that episode was about the live recording of a podcast. And um, and but then it was also looking back at like um an old audio file and kind of myths and stuff like that so I kind of like to mix the two I don't know if I'd ever go uh even when I did try and do the full kind of technology thing with the live podcast a live recording of a live podcast um there was something ancient about it as well that's where I as a as a horror fan or even as a horror writer it's sometimes difficult to um you know it, in order to kind of create for you, you want somebody to feel isolated a little bit. So even with the first episode of the radio station, like it was, which which Max was in as well, it was about um, a late night radio host and his producer, and they were the only ones in this building in the middle of nowhere. So even it though it was quite remote, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so with the, I don't want to do something that's too technologically advanced because you know the internet you're just like you can google the answer you can google how to kill this thing i want people to be isolated so so i don't know if i've don't know if i've cracked it but then also i'm not sure if i want to crack it i like (laughs) getting back to older stuff 
Isolation is a really important point, isn't it? We we spoke at one of our weekend online events to the creators of um, the film Host, which is obviously a horror set on Zoom, and that's the perfect kind of isolation modern technology mix, isn't it, as mm. well? So it, I guess, yeah, it can work to your advantage if you're drawing on the right themes, yeah. Mags, is there a particular episode that's um, appealed to you in terms of the kind of ideas that we've been talking about you've been in quite a few of them yeah yeah of the of the new season um i i i think can uh, thinking about what we've been speaking about today in the new season i i play a part uh of, called Catherine and i think it's the first episode that i'm in and uh Catherine has taken a very unusual job this episode is based around the urban myth of the chain letter. Now, I think that's a kind of a, a topic that um, is is so interesting because it would have the chain letters would have started back in the sixties. People would send themselves uh, these letters, and if you don't pass this on to ten more people, you know, someone you know will die. And then I I grew up in the eighties, and we definitely we definitely used to pass around chain letters. And then in the nineties, it was an email. Uh, if you don't send this email on to this many people, not something someone you know will die. It was something a little bit more insidious than that. Something like, uh, you know, technology will fail you or you'll have loads of bad luck and that kind of thing kind of crept in. And now I've seen loads of Facebook posts of people saying, you mean this to me in my life. And if you don't put um, a comment underneath this uh, to denote our relationship in one word and post this whole ream of information as your status, you know, I'll know you're not a good friend. <laughs> you know? So these things, this, this idea of the pass it on, pass it on, pass it on um, has been around ever since I was a little girl. So I thought that was a really, really cool episode to get to work on. I worked on it with another actress called Rosanna Purcell. And again, I didn't know how it was going to unfold by the end. Um, and I don't want to give anything away there. But uh, yeah, I think that's a perfect marriage again of taking an older sort of tradition and putting a new hard spin on it for 2023. Let's talk a little bit more about the new season. You've I mean, you've got fa- various uh, voices who who are regulars to this. Now, you've got two guest voices for, for season three, and we should probably mention them, mm-hmm. I guess, just, just because I, I know people will find this um, interesting and exciting, depending on, on uh, what else they listen to. T- tell us who you've got guesting for season three and how that came about. Well, when we were in the process of um, making season three, um, Liam Garrity, the producer, he just sent me a text message. Uh, oh, sorry, what's that message? One night and he was going, who would be like your uh, your dream voice cast for, for Petrified? And I thought it was just a random question. So I just replied, oh, I replied a name and then Liam kind of sent a name back. And I thought no more about it. And then it was... A couple of weeks later, and I think it was barely a week later, and I was actually, um, funnily enough, sitting up really late writing an episode of Petrified. It was, you know, half twelve at night, and Liam just sent me a text message going, they both said yes. I was like, what? <laughs> so I didn't realise that Liam was actually going to ask them. I thought he was just, you know, like, having a conversation. So the two um, 
Uh, Cecil Baldwin, who is, for those who know, he would be famous for Welcome to Night Vale. Um, and so he's in an episode called Creeps. Um, and he was so nice to, to work with, a really lovely person. And then the other person that would uh, then the other person there's a a New York filmmaker called Larry Fessenden. So he would have done a lot of independent horror, both as a writer, director, and actor. Things like Wendigo, um, Jarface. He did a version of Frankenstein as well a couple of years ago. And that was so you know being a horror fan and growing up actually seeing this person. There's still kind of moments of pinching myself when you know we've made like you know as well as doing the voiceover like you know he'd made videos to like kind of talk about and stuff like that and watching it and like you get it, it there's good there's like it's hard to connect that even though i've worked with him now it's hard to connect that he's still in it it still kind of blows my mind <laughs> but the same thing like listening to these uh listening to two of them it was it was lovely because not only were they really really nice to work with but their voices sounded so amazing so they would be the two and then also franny um for any Irish uh, listeners out there, we also have Anne Doyle, the newsreader, who would be kind of a household name in uh, in most of Ireland. Now, she actually um, plays a newsreader in uh, the episode about the moving statues phenomenon in the 1980s. So they'd be kind of, and as you said, we've we have our regular cast. Um, but what's what's been lovely is from the first series of Petrified, we've just kind of use the same people over and over so it's a little kind of petrified family like even when i'm writing them i'll go uh, well max is nearly all them so that goes without saying <laughs> but uh but you'll be writing one and you'll be going oh this will be the episode for amy o'dwyer you know or this will be the episode for david like i always kind of have people in mind when i'm when i'm kind of writing them so um so it's lovely to have new people to add to the petrified family hmm. who, who would you like to work with next then mags you can probably get you know, some requests in now and uh, add them to the list. Um, Susan Sarandon. <laughs> <laughs> Although that might make me obsolete. <laughs> Another redheaded actress. No. Um, yeah, I'm going to say Susan Sarandon. Why not? I'm going to say Susan Sarandon. Redheaded folklore, something I've written about. There's plenty of that, of course. There's some, well, some good stuff you can work into some episodes there. Isn't for, there? Our, for our live podcast in London, Peter asked myself and another actress called Michelle McMahon to be, to be in it. And we were up on the stage and it was a black tablecloth put over the table and it was a black backdrop and it was our petrified logo on the back. And then it was myself. I'm very, you can probably see there, I have like very flaming red hair. And so does my co-star Michelle. And I it was only then that I kind of went, oh, I know now why you're so fascinated with redheaded actresses. It's very creepy looking when you get loads of them together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what in terms of superstition or, or belief or tradition do you find in Ireland in modern times that's still culturally significant and is something that you can use in your work the white high ass fan <laughs> there when we were growing up it was always a white van there was a white van that was doing the rounds around the corner and they were taking they were kidnapping children so the white van a white high ass high ace, high ace H- yeah. yeah white high ace van 
that for me, culturally, <laughs> that's the thing that we were most afraid of. <laughs> do you still get those those stories going around now? I, I certainly still see them on Facebook groups from time to time for, you know, local towns and villages relating to those sorts of stories. Mm-mm. Yeah, the notion of being snatched. I don't know. I don't know any kids that age. Um, my, I have a daughter, but she's only about 20 months. So she's a little bit unaware at the moment. But um, yeah, I would imagine that those that those kind of uh, scares uh, continue on. But I would also say that they have changed. So I think the Internet's going to play a huge part in how people are snatched or the idea of being snatched or taken. I think the Internet um, will take over from the drivers of the White Highs fans. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of thinking of it now, as, um, it was, it's kind of unusual, but also a little bit disturbing. When we were younger, so the, uh, and and even kind of when I was growing up, I'd see other people wearing it. So people would either say the bitty or people would just say the man is going to get you. The man. Yeah. The man is going to get you. And they think, oh, the man is going to get you. And just that, you know, I think it's curious and like kind of interesting that just like the male figure is a threat. You know, they didn't need, they didn't need to be any more explanation than that. If you don't stop, the man is going to get you. And yeah, it's, uh, but the, I've, you know, the biddy is still a thing now in Valley Farm, you know, um, and all that it represents. Um, but they would be, well, not the man thing, but the biddy would be something like, it's just that kind of, what do you, what do people, you know, threaten their kids with? That's what I'm, I find interesting. What word or, you know, what description is going to make your children behave What's the and new wooden you, spoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how you how, like how you can people trying to frighten a child into behaving rather than you know using. I think Elf on the Shelf is has definitely taken over. That was not something that we grew up with, and that has been sort of fabricated, invented in the last ten years, um, causing you know or, or creating a lot of work. <laughs> For parents. Um, but that's something that we, yeah, it's something, it's someone who was cheeky, that was kind of intel for Santa. Like Santa was just all knowing, all seeing. But certainly this this uh, middleman has never cropped up before. There's <laughs> probably potential for a kind of elf on the shelf, child's mm. play kind of horror crossover there. I'm sure it's been done somewhere as well. Oh, Peter's taken notes. Time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting we had a Q&A as you said you, you had a little look over it and one of the audience questions was in relation um, to women and she said that w- the, the, out of a survey that was done that women are more um, horrified by real events so they will listen or have a penchant for uh, murder real life murder podcasts or whodunits or um, real horror and that men had a slight leaning towards fictional horror and you know and I'd never thought about it like that before so I wasn't very good in the in the Q&A in terms of how I answered the question but it has given me pause to think about what I used to be afraid of and that's why I answered with the white high ace fan there I know I was being kind of facetious but also they were real there were real scares that uh, used to petrify me and i know that certainly my the horror movie that 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 um has the biggest effect on me is wolf creek 
because that's something it's based on a true story it actually happened um somewhere out there these things are happening to people and i think that kind of chills me to the bone more so than watching a rerun or watch watching back salem's lot which is a film i used to watch with my father when i was young and be petrified over now i don't see the fear in those kind of fabricated or fictitious um, beings. It's more what can actually happen to you when you go outside the door. So, Peter, you you write in this genre all the time. Mags, you're voicing this genre frequently Mm -hmm. amongst your other work. So what frightens you now? Me? Yeah. Either of you. Max, no. you go you, first. No, yeah. no, no, because I, I just answered there. You go, right, you Peter, go first go there, Peter. Buy uh, some thinking time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in pop culture, still, the uh, I'm still kind of happy to say quite a bit. You know, the, the being a lifelong fan of horror, um, I'm luckily not one of those people that's jaded. I still do get like, you know, hairs in the back of my neck and stuff like that like but but yeah uh, kind of old-fashioned ghost like mr james um his ghost stories still make me jump um actually physically two of his stories made me jump when i was sitting um so ghosts and the supernatural kind of creep me up but in that would be in popular culture but in real life it's a bit of a weird thing that i wish i was i wish i was more afraid of Ghost in real life because I, I wish it would because I think it would mean that I believed more. You know, I I, I for somebody who um is very open to people's stories about, you know, supernatural or weird things and stuff like that, I kinda don't have and not that I would poo poo anyone or disbelieve them, but I don't really have much of a belief myself, but I wish I did. So I'm kind of a non answer to your question. Mm-hmm. I wish I was more afraid of the supernatural <laughs> than my ghosts. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. So, so Mags, aside from the unearthly voice over the baby monitor in the middle of the night. Yeah, I was going to mention that, um, <clears throat> that when you when you have a kid, it's equal parts love and fear, because every time I go into the room at night, um, I think she's dead. <laughs> I check that she's still breathing. And that's obviously a lot of parents feel the same. But um in terms of I mean, I went to a, um, a ghost house or a uh, with Peter in Temple Bar in, in Dublin City and I was petrified out of my mind and it wasn't so much that I thought that a ghost was present in the room but the, I'm very very jumpy as a person I don't know I'm, I'm kind of hyper vigilant um, I don't know why but I don't know what that says about my upbringing but I am really really hyper vigilant and if someone comes up to me in the street and asks the time and I'm on my own I kind of uh, take a bit of a jump so when we went into this haunted house well where are you at they made it up like a haunted house and turned out all the lights and and I had Peter's hand and I damn near broke sorry I nearly broke it you know like <laughs> I was so freaked out. So it's not that I necessarily think that the ghosts were in the room. I know that they were there to to freak us out on purpose. But um, yeah, I'm very, very jumpy as a person. Um, I do believe, though, I do believe in ghosts. I do. I, I, I mean, that many people can't be making up sightings. That many people can't have imagined something that wasn't there. Um, and people have recorded sounds. And I am one of these people that I take people at face value. If some, someone says something happened, I, I believe them until proven otherwise, that is. So I do believe in them. I just I, I haven't experienced any ghosts myself. 
But but this is the whole beauty of folklore, in my opinion, as mm. as, as a, a, a genre, is that it's not our position to say whether something exists yes. uh, or not. Mm. Is it real? Yeah. What is real? Real is a construct. What we're interested in is why people interpret things in particular ways and why they always have or why things change from mm. one to another and, and what significance that has on people in a cultural setting or on an individual basis so whether ghosts exist is irrelevant they do whether they are spirits of the dead or whether they are something else that's being interpreted as something else that's the other question mm. it's not what they are the the construct exists the phenomenon exists it's how it's interpreted which is which is of real interest Yes. yes, yeah. And I'm with you on the whole child thing as well. <laughs> Equal my, parts. My, daughter, my, my daughter's 15 now. Oh, that's but, a scary time. Was, well, that's scary <laughs> in all sorts of other ways. <laughs> yeah. But yes, the, the two things that we remember from when she was little that were really scary were um, her falling asleep in the car seat in the back of the car with her eyes open. So when you look in the um, rear view mirror, <laughs> scary child. That's and really freaky. <laughs> that was that was bad, and her sleepwalking to the stair gate at the top of the stairs in the middle of the night and just standing there staring, like oh that scene my in, God. in the first Peter is in love in with your bedroom. daughter. Yeah, <laughs> both of those are very strong memories of our daughter when she was smaller. You've got this to come, Max. Look She's forward. possessed. <laughs> Your daughter's possessed. Well, I, mean, I, I don't doubt that for a moment. <laughs> Absolutely agree with you there. Wow, that not every kid does that. That is wow. You have a life yeah. one there. Yeah, yeah. So, so both of those are certainly you know childhood <laughs> memories that, that we could well have done without. Yeah. Well, you're going to rehash them at her twenty first. Now you get your own back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's what parents are here for. Absolutely. So so um. I'm mindful of the time uh, and, and the fact that, that, that certainly, Max, you have other things you need to do after this as well. Um, season three of Petrified is in the can. Can we say it's in the can for an audio format? Why not? Yeah, it's done and dusted. Um, so where do you go from here? Well, the, when we did the um, the live recording in the London Podcast Festival, so we were... We were very kindly invited to it by the the organisers, um, and um, I hope I'm speaking on behalf of Mags also. But it was really enjoyable, mm. and it just made us um, realise how few limits there actually are for kind of podcasts and live recording. So live events is something I'd love to get into more for this, you know, because how I like to kind of describe petrified is you know if you're listening to it on headphones or something like that it's like we're whispering the story into your ear so it's still that kind of storytelling aspect so i would love to see if we can recreate that you know feeling of closeness feeling of storytelling but in a live setting so you know mm. i i love the podcast and i long may i continue um and there's no but it's a kind of an also i'd really like to see could we yeah get into doing more live stuff yeah, I certainly, uh, I, I think I listened to the radio station episode whilst I was sat in my car, and that was probably a bad idea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I just began listening to the first episode of season three there before this podcast started. I haven't quite finished it. What I find is really interesting is Peter has called up um, previous episodes within this episode. So the radio station is mentioned and <laughs> what happened after the the recorder stopped is kind of divulged. And then another episode that's referenced is the, the Lighthouse episode. So I, I found that really um, satisfying to listen to at the start of this. It's like, oh, what happened after the fact? Oh, wow. Well, they're all dead. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great because you're, you're creating a kind of petrified universe then. Yes. You? And I, I, um, yeah. I had the opportunity to interview Rebecca Sonnenschein, who developed Archive 81 for Netflix. Okay. But in its original format as a podcast, you know, Archive 81 kind of did that, but on a different level because it created a universe and then it created another universe somewhere entirely different, but took characters from there to there. So so being able to to enclose these things and, and cross-reference is, is yeah. yeah, really good. Yeah. And just yeah. something that, that, um, about this episode in particular, but Max was mentioning, so for the first episode of the new series, we really, because we've been very, very lucky with fans and supporters, there's been some really kind of vocal supporters and, you know, as kind of creatives, especially when we were starting off and we hadn't kind of, we didn't know if we'd found our feet yet. All this feedback from very nice people made a big difference to us. So for the first episode, what we wanted to do is, yeah, hearken back to all this stuff, make it seem like that it's this world that's connected. But then I can say now, because hopefully the fans will have heard it and I'm not giving that in a way, what we did was particularly nice or sweet fans. I wrote them into the episodes as characters. <laughs> so I would love to be kind of a fly on the wall in their homes when they're listening to the episode and realise that they're actually in the episode. In the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah that's brilliant i like that i like that okay um let's let's wrap up by just um obviously encouraging people to go and listen to petrified if they haven't already or to get on with listening to more of it if they haven't got up to date yet that's definitely a thing that they should do um for those that want to learn more about it if this is uh, a new introduction to them where are the best places for them to go and seek out other than on podcast app of choice seek out more information about this uh, well on social media so uh on across social media are uh i can't uh, i'm uh, liam does the social media so i'm going to sound like an idiot do you say our Pet- tag our, it's, it's, it's at, at petrified underscore pod on social media i don't know what our handle, our uh, handle. yeah yeah yeah, so so you can follow us on social media. Um, and also, if you have anyone between the age of seven and 12, would we say, Peter? Peter has also created a horror podcast for children and it's called Spooky FM and there are two seasons of that available on wherever you get your podcasts as well so if you have any young up and coming uh, devotees to all things supernatural they will love Spooky FM <laughs> yeah, so, if you need, so if you need a break to listen to Petrified you can get your kids to listen to Spooky FM yeah. <laughs> yeah. perfect that, that'll work well that'll work well I'll put links to all of those places on uh, the episode page for this episode on the folklore podcast website so that people can jump straight there mags where can people find you i am moi underscore mags that's m-o-i underscore mags i'm on twitter and on instagram 
Excellent. Thank you. I will send people in your direction also. Uh, it's been a pleasure to chat to you both. I've really enjoyed listening to Petrified thus far. I've got a little bit of catching up to do before I reach season three, but I shall get there. Um, Perhaps and, not in uh, your car on your own. <laughs> and, and no, I've learned that lesson. That's that's yeah. a valuable lesson. I Sometimes if, I, if I'm going to bookings or, or gigs or, or, or performances and things, you know, that's my prime podcast listening time but I perhaps need to filter a little bit more what I listen to when. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not when your 15-year-old is out with her pals. (laughs) No, 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 no. She'll she'll love it. Obviously, she uses our Netflix or Prime accounts as well, and I go into sort of watch something and all the things that she's been watching are there on the continue watching screen and there's like my documentaries and stuff and then there's annabelle creation oh <laughs> wow oh you yeah. have a live one. Oh wow this is great very encouraging <laughs> yeah yeah no she 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 does enjoy the genre um yeah. but but we did take um great delight in taking her to see woman in black at the um, Fortune Theatre in London. In fact, um, we'd, we'd taken her to see the touring version first, and she came out have, have being, you know, being like, oh, horror films don't particularly scare me. You know, she came out of that and went, never again, by <laughs> watching this show. And then we made her go and watch it in the Fortune in, in, in its proper home with the um, original setting. Wow. Uh, and she came out of that and went, no, I meant it the first time, never. <laughs> so, you know, the the live entertainment route, Peter, there you go, is, you know, it's a good one to explore for certain. <laughs> Fantastic. Max, Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's been a pleasure. Love thank talking you. to you, Mark. Thank you so much. Thank you. Season three of Petrified is releasing now. Listen to this and past seasons wherever you get your podcasts, but not alone in the dark. In a moment, we'll close with another clip from the show. But first, I'm delighted to say that full details of the 2023 Folklore Podcast Lecture Series are now up on the Folklore Podcast website. We have 15 world-class speakers who work with folklore, presenting on a variety of topics from fairies to folk tales and from ghosts to the paranormal in legal cases. You can book for each talk individually, or for best value, grab a season pass and save a third on the whole year. Video replays will be available for any talk you want to watch, so even if you can't make it live to everything, you won't miss a minute. All talks are followed by a Q&A with the presenter. All profits from the Folklore Podcast lectures support the podcast and the funding of the Folklore Library and Archive equally. To see full details of all the talks and book a place, please visit www.thefolklorepodcast.com slash lectures. If you are a Patreon supporter of the podcast at the appropriate tiers, you can use your discount code for a further reduction. This is a really high-quality programme, and I hope you can join us for it. To close... Here's a clip from the Petrified Season 2 episode Up the Airy Mountain, featuring Mags alongside Deirdre Monaghan and Deborah Wiseman. A group of nuns making a religious pilgrimage to a remote shrine begin to realise there may be something to fear in the woods. Thanks for listening. See you next time. The nuns used to give me the ruler in school. You're all a pack of perverts. Out! 
Out before I call the guards. I'm going to haunt you. How can you look at yourselves? Are you all right, Sister Clota? Yes, Reverend Mother. I I understand why she did it. I can only imagine that... Oh, you're too soft, Clota. Get up, fix yourself, and follow me in. <laughs> 